What is truth? Seldom black and white, usually complex. The fifth column goes on the inside in search of it. By anyone's standards, Jerry O'Hara's CV is out of the ordinary. He's now the chief executive of a cultural arts centre in the middle of Derry. He's also vice chair of the police board and on the national executive of Sinn Féin. He was a councillor and the mayor of Derry. His past life, though, is less public service. He became an activist in the IRA in the 1970s, going on to become commanding officer for the junior wing. Like many other people, it was the experience of growing up in the violent and politically charged atmosphere of the Cregan that persuaded him armed resistance was the only way forward. By 1971, me and a group of my friends, all about the one age and all had been to school together, we decided that uh, we had heard these vague romantic notions about the IRA. Nobody actually knew anybody who was in it. There was rumours. And, uh, and we spent a bit of time going round knocking on doors and saying, excuse me, could you help? And we eventually found somebody who took pity on us and said, OK. And uh, so we decided to join uh, the Republican movement. We were too young to be allowed full membership, so we were taken in as junior members. I saw people getting killed before Bloody Sunday, and I don't know how we dealt with it. I don't think we took time to even process it emotionally and we probably all need therapy as a result of all that stuff and I always have the feeling it's a, it's a box that you wouldn't want to open we would have had situations where you had someone shot dead who was very very close to you and who would have been one of your wee circle and and you were out the next day doing the same thing I barely took time off to bury people one of the two lads who was with me was, was shot dead on Bloody Sunday we were involved in kind of on the street activity right throughout 71, 72. What do you mean by on the street activity? Well, probably your stereotype of what somebody might have been involved in in those days. I'd probably been around most of it. So we would have been full-time activists. We would have been involved in fairly serious engagements. And there would have been gun battles almost every night, some of them lasting for hours and hours. Uh, there were people shot, there were bombs. The city centre. Well, I, I was involved in, in a lot of that stuff at the time. I got a, I was granted immunity to speak about Bloody Sunday and my role on that day. That's the only thing I was granted immunity about. And then Bloody Sunday, I remember the terror of it. You know, um, it wasn't even anger. It was. You know, it was just sheer terror. Um, I remember seeing people shot dead and seeing blood and people bleeding to death, watching soldiers just cutting people down, um, and some of them laughing. Um, and I suppose if you come at it from a personal point of view, then that's you know a very traumatic personal experience. And then you try and look at it kind of from an objective point of view and wonder what it was about, because we were just pawns on the street, you know. But when you kind of got over the terror, and, and you didn't get over it until the shooting had stopped, but there was a deep anger. Um, I remember that night. Uh, that night in Craigan was probably more scary than even the day had been, because the place was like a, a ghost city. There was a there was a terrible quietness, and then 
the, the rumour went up they're coming into Craigan the night and we, we were on the barricades in Craigan uh, and we'd watched these people do their work and they were very thorough we'd seen them at it that was a really scary night um, waiting to see if they would come in it's obviously very painful still and yet you still went out and were active and inflicted that kind of stuff on others. Could you rationalise that in your brain? Um, it's very difficult. And I think that people kind of glibly label people. It would be very hard, if you can imagine, to be brought up in a very Catholic household where you're taught the Ten Commandments, where you're taught prayers. You go to a Catholic primary school where you're inculcated with all of that stuff again so the notion of attacking the state the notion of attacking human beings and uniforms representing the state the notion of, of taking life is tough people made hard choices and I'm, I'm sure people are living with those difficult choices and that's maybe the price you know, because everybody pays a price in conflict and in a war and we went through we went through a period in the 80s where we had this massive discussion going on internally about the just war theory and everybody was studying and reading and trying to find a justification. So we were searching for something that would maybe make life easier for us and, and maybe even in public terms for us. So people had this whole massive debate about the just war theory. We all became experts in the just war. And that was people looking for some solace. And some people have rationalised that a whole lot better than others. That, that was the choice they made. That's the sacrifice they have to pay. And, and that's how they're going to see out this lifetime. Do you have any regrets? Would you have done anything differently? Yeah, probably not, you know. Um, because, you know, you always kind of think that what you're doing at the time is right. I probably regret the whole thing. You know, I was born in a community that was discriminated against politically, economically, you know, forced to emigrate, hadn't got a vote, hadn't got a house, lived in slum housing, were discriminated against in every way that they could possibly be. Now, I didn't know that, but I was born into that. And that environment and, and the events in history that, that came out of that shaped my whole life. If I had been born in the fountain, who, who knows where my life would have went so it would have been nice if none of it had happened. Of all the interviews I did for this series, Jerry's was the most challenging. I thought I had it all sorted in my mind. Terrorists and victims, goodies and baddies, if you like. But it was very clear that just doesn't work. Sitting opposite me was someone who'd been through events I couldn't even begin to imagine. And he was trying to come to terms with everything that had happened over the last 40 years. It had been, and I think still is, a long and painful journey to peace. Sometime around the mid-1990s, I think the stress of it started to tell a wee bit on me. And, and I started to kind of, uh, what, what some people around me would have called behave erratically. So I went to a yoga class, and, and we lived in a very macho world, where yoga classes were regarded as nervous breakdown country. And then I discovered Tai Chi, which I thought was great. And then I got involved in Chi Kung. And then I got introduced to Reiki by a woman in the town here who performed Reiki. And uh, she kind of talked me into training as a Reiki master, which I did. Uh, so I started to get involved in a whole lot of alternative stuff like that. And maybe I was having a nervous breakdown, you know, who knows. 
I was seeing some softer side of life. And I, I kind of discovered uh, gardening and vegetables and uh, keeping poultry and, and keeping bees. Do you think it's a cold age? It could well be. There's no question that you mellow and that, that you do lose some of that radical, impetuous stuff that be's in you. At this point in time, we had to kind of do a serious, serious discussion collectively and individually with ourselves. If there was a political way of negotiating this, then you probably couldn't justify any other alternative way of doing it. And, and I think collectively, the Republican movement, or the majority, a large 90%, 95% plus majority of active Republicans, came to that conclusion through a, a very long and tortuous collective process of debate and discussion. And that's where the ceasefires came from. And I don't think anybody who I knew was sad to see the ceasefires. Since then, Jerry has worked through the political Republican channels. And he's received many death threats from the dissident IRA, who see his work on the police board as selling out. So why keep going? Why not leave this world behind once and for all? Is it worth still living in fear? The emotional part of it is that when you have a list of people who were all killed or died as a result of being involved in what you're involved in, and it's not so easy then to walk away from it because you nearly feel as if you're betraying these, the ghosts that are walking with you. That becomes a, an incentive and a motivating factor. Now, I, I feel comfortable in that I'm an active Republican. I'm playing an active role in Republican politics, in the, in the Republican project, which is about the people of Ireland governing the, the, the land of Ireland. So, in a way, I, I don't feel that, that I have betrayed any of the people who died as part of this we struggle. To hear more of our podcasts and to have your say, visit our website, www.thefifthcolumn.co.uk.